0: We hear the word
1: power and we think we are taught as women that's a negative thing for us, that it means we're to something that's very unsavory. And power is really just connecting, connection to yourself and your truth and connection to what you want. Because if you, if you know who you are and you understand what your values are and you develop the courage to express that in the world, there is no greater power than that.
0: You're listening to Make some Noise Podcast, episode number 401 with guest Susan Hyatt. Welcome to Make some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. I am double excited for today's episode. And the first reason is because this is on video. Some of you might already be watching it on video. Hello on YouTube. And I don't think I've ever done this. Maybe I have. This is episode 401. Maybe I have in the past, but it's super exciting These eight episodes, this is the other reason I'm so excited. This episode kicks off an eight episode series that I am calling Just Make Some Noise. (laughs) It's the Make Some Noise series on the Make Some Noise podcast. I handpicked eight phenomenal women who I know are making noise in their lives. And I wanted to ask them specifically how did you do it? What's your story? Can you give us any tips and tricks? Were you raised differently? Do you implement things now in adulthood that help you show up in your life fully and confidently? And I cannot wait for you to either watch or listen to them all. I also wanted to remind you that I have some amazing book bonuses uh the one that i want to talk to you about today is a book plate so if you're watching this on video here they are they're super cute i know that they're backwards but these are essentially stickers you may have gotten these from another author because we cannot do live in-person events right now this is the next best thing to have your book personally signed by me it's free i will snail mail it to you if you go to if you've already purchased the book if you've already pre-ordered it and you've already signed up for bonuses, you should have seen it in there as one of the options to fill out your address and your first name and all that good stuff. If you missed it, go to slash msn or you can use the contact form on my website and Emily or someone on my team will absolutely help you out so we can get that mailed off to you so you can have you can have a personalized signed copy of my book. And it drops August 31st, it might ship earlier. I don't know. I can't promise. COVID has really screwed things up. (laughs) But August 31st is the official birthday. Speaking of birthdays, the day that this particular podcast drops, episode 401 comes out on August 11th, which is my son's birthday. He's 14. All the seasoned parents out there who say it goes by so fast. And that feels really annoying when your kids are little and they're toddlers and it's just so hard and you're not getting very much sleep and you are working your butt off to be a parent. I, I get it now. I get it. My kids, my daughter will be 12 next month. My son is turning 14 today. And I don't know if this is coincidence or what. Last week I had a dream that I was pregnant. So I'm 46. I think the chances of that happening are very low, especially because my husband has a vasectomy and he's the only man I'm sleeping with which is good. <laughs> which is good. good to know. So in my dream, so vivid. Okay. So in my dream, don't you love hearing about people's dreams? I know it can be the most boring thing ever, but it's kind of funny. Stay with me. In my dream, I'm very pregnant. I'm like, I don't know, about six or seven months pregnant. And I am so excited about it. I am so excited that we're going to have a baby. And my husband, on the other hand, is floored. Just like, what? So he's had a vasectomy for, I don't know, nine years now. And we were at the doctor's office and the doctor said, didn't anybody tell you that this can happen, that there's some breakthrough cases? That's what he called it. And I know I had that dream because we're hearing about breakthrough cases of vaccinated people, (laughs) breakthrough cases, breakthrough pregnancies. He's like, yeah, it it happens. And I was like, yes. (laughs) I mean, I, I... Whatever But in my dream I was very excited That we were having a baby And I was like Oh I wonder if it's going to be a girl It's going to be a boy Just All just Tickled And my husband was having A a little bit of a hard time Getting used to it So when I woke up I had a good chuckle about it My husband and I Had a good laugh Oh and also in my dream One more thing I told my husband I totally understand If you want to take A paternity test Like I would be weirded out too And like wondering I won't be mad (laughs) Just wanted to get that out of the way. (laughs) I was like, I I, I get it. It's weird. And I would be a little concerned as well, but I didn't have to worry because I knew in my dream, I'm like, I'm only sleeping with you. Of course, Mari Povich is going to say, you're the father and we'd be fine. So I woke up and we had a good laugh about it. And I thought, I wonder if this is because I'm about to give birth to this book, metaphorically speaking, obviously. But it does, it feels, like, it feels like such a huge thing coming into the world that as an author, we spend so much time and there's so many moving parts and so many people that help put this together. And I also think that this book in particular takes a little bit of a right turn, I would say, not so much a left turn, but a right turn. And I am focusing more on what I am passionate about. And that is the socialization and conditioning that we've all received for people who identify as girls and women. And we need to talk about it. We need to unlearn it. We need to unpack and unravel it because it is, it's doing us dirty. And that's what this book is about. It's Women's Empowerment from a Feminist Foundation. I can't wait for you to listen or read it, whichever you prefer. And I think that's it, as far as the announcements. I won't go on and on about this book. I know that I know that you've heard a lot about it. I'm really excited. So I have Susan Hyatt on the show today. Susan's been on, I think, at least three times, and she's a dear friend of mine as well as a colleague. And when I was thinking about this particular series and thinking about the women I wanted to have on it, Susan was at the very top of that list to have on. So for those of you that don't know, I am going to tell you a little bit about her. Susan Hyatt is a master-certified life and business coach specializing in helping women get more of whatever they want, more money, more confidence, more energy, more joy. Through her two mastermind programs, On The Six and The Mastermind, Susan has worked with thousands of women to scale their businesses and step into six- and seven-figure earnings. The leading voice of ditching diet culture to develop a better world. She has developed the trademark BEAR process, is the best-selling author of BEAR, and has presented at TEDx Fargo. So without further ado, here is Susan.
1: Susan, hi, it's back on the show. I am ready to live my kick-ass life with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the podcast has changed names. I don't know if you knew that. What are you doing to me? What's I know name of it now, okay, ok. well, as we're recording this, it's going to happen like within the next few days, and it's going to be make some noise,
2: <gasps> yes,
0: oh my God <laughs> I can see all the merchandise. I am living for this. I am so excited to to make this change and and this book and everything. And so, I created this series, this Make some Noise series, uh, you know, as a celebration of my book coming out and just a celebration of women, I handpicked eight women. You are one of them. And I'm ready to jump in and talk to everybody about how they can make some more noise in their life. You know what? I am here for it. Let's make so much noise. I'm like horse, like right?
1: <laughs> like, exhausted and hoarse and like, dragging into home
0: plate. I'm here. Okay, okay, okay. So, I know that you are a huge fan of women asking for everything they want. Yes. It's like it's like number 1 on your to-do list every day. No, number 1.
1: <laughs> it's like who who can do this for me? Like what what am I leaving on the table?
0: Like what what ask yeah. am I not making? Okay, so I'm curious if there was a time in your life where you weren't that woman who asks for everything that you want. Mm-hmm. And what did you do to reckon with that and become the person that asks for everything? Well, let me
1: be clear. There are still times, and I have a hilarious story from the other day of when I notice I'm not asking. Um, so it, it's not like a hundred percent of the time I'm perfectly asking for everything that I need, but I have come so far. And so the woman that I was <laughs> prior, um, was a woman who probably like many of your listeners just I had checked all the boxes. I thought I had done everything right. I I you know, went to school and got married and had children and got the career, check 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 check. check. And was doing everything for everyone else and and managing the universe and at the expense of my own hopes, dreams, mental health, physical health, all those things. And I was in residential real estate at the time when I really had this sort of breakdown in my kitchen. My mom was coming to visit for Easter and she made me promise because I was such a workaholic that I would not work while she visited. And I promised her, okay, I promise I'm taking and that well, in time In real off.
0: estate, you, you're on all the time.
1: You theoretically are supposed to be on all the time. I mean, uh-huh. you are supposed... like you know, I can remember saying to my therapist at the time that if she was like, well, what if you could, this is back when we had Blackberries. She was like, what if you could just put your Blackberry like away in your purse or something for a half an hour? And I was like, you don't understand if I miss a call, I'm missing a paycheck. Like that was the mentality. Mm -hmm. So I promised my mom, My mom comes to visit and lo and behold, a family that I had been working with for months out of town buyers decided that since it was a holiday weekend, they would pop into town and want to make an offer on something I had shown them like a month prior. And so I got this page. Remember pagers? Yes. I got this <laughs> I <had> one. <laughs> pager message and called them and they were like, surprise, we're in town and we want to put an offer on, you know, one, two, three, happy street. And I was faced with this reality that this was the biggest sale of my real estate career. And I went and on Easter got that contract signed and felt miserable and awful and terrible, shame filled that I broke a promise to my mom, but wanted that sale. I wanted that commission. Mm -hmm. And I came home and my mom looked at me and as Southern mamas can do, only Southern mamas have, you know, and she just looked at me and she was like, what has happened to my daughter? Like, you are not right. This is not who you are. And I just broke down in my kitchen crying because I couldn't ask for help. I couldn't ask for what I wanted. I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know what my core values were. And she said to me, hey, okay, like stop the breakdown. I'll keep the kids for a couple of days. Why don't you just plan like whatever you want to do for you? Now, here's the real part of the story. I had no idea what I could do for me. The things that came to mind were. I could grocery shop all by myself or Mm -hmm. catch up on the laundry. These were my big ideas. And it was at that cracking point, that moment, that I was like, okay, I got to figure out who I am. I got to figure out what I need. And I have to get over this overworking, over efforting, people pleasing stuff. And so I didn't have any concept of what it meant to ask for everything. That was so foreign
0: to how I operated in the world. Well, it sounds like you had like a, I need to get my shit together moment. Yeah. (laughs) For real. (laughs) For real. I'm like, (laughs) I spent like the next couple of days eating peeps and um, (laughs) crying. I think you talked about this on another episode that you were on and we'll, we'll pop that link in the show notes. That's when you hired a life coach and bought personal development books and kind of started your own journey. Right. That was like a couple, that was 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use earn for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make earn a part of your financial routine and join earn over 3.5 million customers who say things like, Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC.
2: If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad that you were transparent and said, I still have to remind myself to ask for everything because these old it's the conditioning Mm -hmm. that the bulk of the book is about is like, it's not our fault that we don't ask for what we want, that we are afraid of shining too bright, that we struggle with with money. Like we've been conditioned to be this way. We're doing what we were taught. Yeah. And I, to break free from that, I find also that it's a lifelong process. You're so right. It is a lifelong
1: process. And here I am, the woman who teaches women to ask for everything. Here I am, the woman who... You know, gets on podcasts or teaches classes about having boundaries with your family around your work and all these things. And let me tell you something. So, my new obsession is my rescue beagle, Mork, the international <laughs> sensation that is Mork the Beagle. I have a grand puppy named Caesar. The other day, here's an example of how I still wake up to constantly the invisible workload of women and how I'm still in it. So Mork and Caesar are basically they're puppies, and they're they like to race around and you have to put them outside and um and so they were outside making some noise, barking, acting mm. bananas, and so I let them back inside, and like a toddler, I have to hold Mork the beagle sometimes so that they'll get realize they're tired and lay down <laughs> and, and so <laughs> and so. Ryan decides, Ryan, my son, decides to drop Caesar without asking. I had had a very long day. The dogs are racing through the house, acting bananas. And I'm like, go back outside. And then they would go outside and bark. And I'm like, oh, And I've let them back inside and try to get them to calm down. So I sit down in my chair with Mork the beagle and I'm holding him. So he'll relax and calm down. And Caesar like flops on the rug and instantly falls asleep because they've, they've worn each other out. Mm -hmm. And I look across the living room and my husband is sitting on the sofa, eating a Snickers bar and scrolling on his (laughs) smartphone. Okay. And I'm sitting there with my beagle in a headlock basically. Yeah. And I'm like, I start yelling across the room. I'm like, here we are again. Just like when the kids were little, like I'm doing everything I can to get everybody just to settle down. And he, it was of zero concern to him what these yeah. dogs were
0: doing. Zero concern and just, that I, I, that audacity, like <laughs> I admire that. <laughs> can I get some of that? We're like, going it. And,
1: his response and this is often what happens when women start to push back on the invisible workload his response was like well i don't have a problem with them barking or racing around the house you know like i don't see a problem you're just overreacting you know that that sort of right that face right there i'm like oh i'm about to show you some overreacting so i was like so i just like i'm like okay like They're yours for the rest of the evening. They're Mm -hmm. absolutely yours. And so then it was like a circus act, like hilarious watching him attempt to do, you know, what I do. And that, and it's such a silly little example with dogs, but this carries through with everything Mm -hmm. with with managing the household and
0: children and prescriptions and education. If it was just the dogs, it would not be that big of a deal. Right. But it's the mountain that piles up and just bleeds out into everywhere. Right. Here I am reminded of how
1: insidious it's in the air we breathe. It's, it's how we were raised. It's like, of course, I'm just going to assume that responsibility for these animals. Mm-hmm. So I'm texting my oh son. My I'm like, come get your dog. I, come get your baby. Come get, come get Caesar. Cause he's, he needs to go home now. <laughs>
0: Time's up. Okay. Well, let's talk about Money and power, yeah, which I know is also on the top of your to-do list. (laughs) I love that you said it that way. Check that is at the top of my to-do list. Yes, please. Yes. Well, and I know a large part of your work is is empowering men women through economic means. Yeah. And I feel it's my opinion that women struggle with money partly because of the power involved in it whether that's you know asking for more money at work raising your rates if you're a service provider mm-hmm. you know all, all the things and so let's talk about like how do you I want to know how does Susan Hyatt define power let's start there mm. i
1: just des- i define power as connection to self
0: we hear the word power
1: and we think we are taught as women that that's a negative that's a negative thing for us That it means we're to something that's very unsavory. And power is really just connecting, connection to yourself and your truth and connection to what you want. Because if you, if you know who you are and you understand what your values are and you develop the courage to express that in the world, there is no greater power than that. But we do live in a world where, in order for us to, Um, have a seat at the table, um, have the ability to elect officials that will advocate for us and all those things, that takes money. And so Mm -hmm. the more money a woman can
0: have, the more practical power she can flex. Agreed. It was interesting when I was doing the research for that chapter. And I I did not set... set out to write about power at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. I started writing about money and have never written about money in either of my my two previous books, mm-hmm. but I felt like if I'm going to talk about the culture that raised us and the things that are holding us back, you have to talk about money. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. And when I started writing about it, I started realizing and I'm like there's so, it is so interlaced with power and who's written about this before me where Mm -hmm. I can research. And so there's, there's not a whole lot written about women in power. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one great book, but, and I also read Susie Orman's Women and Money, which it was very interesting. And so that's why I love to get other women's Mm -hmm. take who have experience feeling more comfortable, Mm -hmm. both with money as well as power. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I talk about, um, Brene Brown talks about power and telling, talking about the differences between power over versus Mm. power within. Mm -hmm. Because what we have examples of largely in this capitalistic culture is power over and people wielding it to not do great things. Mm -hmm. Or we think that's the only way to get there So we choose proximity to it Mm. and try to be more like men Mm
2: -hmm.
0: when oftentimes that's not our inherent nature Mm -hmm. and not how we really want to be deep inside with our values. So it's complicated. I'm still very much in the infancy of learning about it myself. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I think we all are. Yeah. It's, it's super fascinating. Let's, continue to talk about money mm-hmm. and what, but what are some things that you see women doing that hold them back from making more money mm-hmm. that they can work on? You're right. I work with women every day on this. It comes
1: up with the entrepreneurs that I work with. And typically when I'm working with a female entrepreneur, um, she's undercharging. She's either not charging or undercharging or over efforting to get that money and working with, with a female entrepreneur, it, it often sounds like, well, do you really think people would pay that? And I don't know. And is it too much? And what will people think? And all that kind of stuff. And I'm working on a project with my Snickers eating dog, ignoring <laughs> husband, Scott. <laughs> you're,
0: um, you're, you're doing a partnership with Snickers. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah we're doing a partnership um
1: but we're working on this project called women invested because he has spent his career in commercial real estate and development and only 1% of assets managed are female owned which drives me crazy and so i it, it's been a long time coming um we're working on this project together where i want to get information to women on how how to do this because it's an old white man's club like right. most women and particularly black women or women of color, have no idea. They're not. And we've not been included in the conversation of how to do these things or who to go to. And so when I sat down with him one Sunday and sort of I said, let's just brainstorm what all the topics of the videos and audios would be. And so it was fun like coming up with that stuff. But once we got it all put together and I started talking about the different ways we could price it, I was like, okay, so there could be sort of this classic level where they get access to this these videos and this membership community and it's this price. And then we could have more of a VIP level where they could ask you questions. They could have consults with you, that sort of thing. And he listened to everything I had to say. Let's say I said nine ninety seven to fourteen ninety seven, and he kind of looked at me and he was like, "Okay, so this information is very valuable, and I'm not showing up for anything less than a couple thousand dollars." And he looked at me like <laughs> I was crazy
0: to even and, to
1: even think that it had to be less than that. And, And the energy and it wasn't it actually wasn't arrogant. I mean, I'm saying it kind of arrogantly, but he was just sort of like, oh, and if you want me to show up for like Facebook Q&A's, then it's this like what Mm -hmm. the difference in the confidence and the owning of like what the value of the service was so dramatically different. I had to go into all my groups and tell the story because I'm like the The entitled the they are raised with such privilege and entitlement that they they value their that is why they ask for the raise. They go for the gig negotiate
0: from the get go. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: there is no they have no shame in it. And women are taught not to ask for too much. Like, how dare you negotiate? Like, who does she think she is? And all that kind of stuff that just is not present in
0: their world it's unbelievable to me. I love that story so much. And I don't know if you've seen, there's this thing going on. There's, oh shoot. I don't remember her name. There's a, there's a black woman who's a coach and she, her whole, her whole brand is like, think like Chad or ask like Chad or something (laughs) like that, where she creates this persona. And, and maybe you could do that in your groups. Like, you know, be more like Scott, your husband.
1: (laughs) Have a Snickers and upcharge, you know, it's just like he he was just sitting across the kitchen table looking at me like and I also remember similarly, I asked him one time when I was doing a training on um, asking for the sale and I said, do you ever like in your mind, do you ever get nervous about asking for the sale or do you ever hesitate And when I say that man looked at me like I had three heads, he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) like, I said, do you ever worry that there's a problem with asking for the sale? And he was like, what else would I do? That's my job. And I just was like, "Okay, like we as women have got to drop. I'd have been like, what's that light? I know. (laughs) He was just sort of like, okay. I don't, I don't, it doesn't compute. I don't understand this question. So I do think it's like our work is really unwinding the, the cultural rules we've been taught and we've accepted and seeing
0: them for what they are and, and learning how to challenge those. Well, I want to say this too. So it's easy for you and I to sit here and tell women, just be more like Scott Mm -hmm. be more like Chad, go ask for the sale, negotiate Mm -hmm. when you get a new job, et cetera, et cetera. However, the I think the thing that stops them is that the worry about how we are going to be perceived mm-hmm. is so real yeah. that it elicits shame mm-hmm. in our bodies mm-hmm. and just puts the brakes on everything. Mm-hmm. So I invite women to just get curious about mm-hmm. it. Like if you're if they're listening to this and they're having judgments about um about Scott or about you mm-hmm. or about any woman that they see either in movies or online, like the way that we vilify wealthy women in movies, mm-hmm. like wealthy and successful yeah. movies, I wrote about it in the book because I was thinking about my own history with money and the money stories that my family handed down to me. And I and I thought to myself, who was the first wealthy woman I ever saw on TV in movies? Mm-hmm. And because there's stats that say that, you know, the majority of, of um, women millionaires are. Or maybe this is an old stat, but it was like they've either married into it, inherited it, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I remembered that it was when I was probably, I was very young, maybe six or seven. And you're my age. So do you remember those records? They were like little records and um, they came with a book and you would play the record and then it would make like a chiming noise when it was time to turn the page. And it, it was like, it was like old school audio books. Yeah, I, lo- <laughs> I loved those. Yes. I had several. And one of my favorites was Fox and the Hound and 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. Oh yeah. I and know where you're going. Cruella DeVille yes. was the first wealthy woman I ever knew about. Yep. It was always men. It was, you know, Daddy Warbucks mm-hmm. and always white men. And so Cruella DeVille is this evil, ugly woman who does the ultimate horrendous act she kills and skins puppies i know and some people might be like well it's just a disney movie like does it really matter that much it does, it does matter
1: <laughs> it, it absolutely it, it matters. it creates an
0: impression about what it means to be wealthy to be ambitious mm-hmm. to ask for everything mm-hmm. you want mm-hmm. i don't think you should ask for puppies to kill them <laughs> right Right? <laughs>
3: You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together, we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs)
1: But, but I mean, to your point, right, like when you look at the book, the characters that girls are exposed to at a young age and like the the Disney princesses and characters, I mean, it's um, up until recently, yeah, the role models were, um, you know, needed to be saved or had to sacrifice or lose parts of themselves to get the prince or whatever it might be as the ultimate goal orphaned, yeah. didn't have a mom. Mm mm-hmm. Cruella Deville came to mind as soon as you before you even mentioned it. And also, like, look at Devil Wears Prada. Look at, mm-hmm. you know, popular movies and things. And and I I'm waiting for the Hallmark Christmas movie where I know you love those. I I love cheesy stuff half the time. I'm like, just let yourself be corny. But I'm waiting for the storyline. I'm waiting for the plot where the big city exec female executive doesn't ditch her career for a small town, you know, baker, you know, because she's realized the error of her ways
0: of being so ambitious in the big city. You know, I'm waiting. You need to hire someone to write that screenplay. So she meets she meets a man or a woman that she falls in love with. And then that person leaves their job mm-hmm. to come and work or just be her like trophy wife or husband. <laughs>
1: totally. <laughs> totally. And my friend Melissa <laughs> writes screenplays. So I'm gonna get her on that. I'm gonna be like, okay, here's the new project.
0: Here's the new Hallmark movie. I I would watch that. I, I don't, don't watch that.
1: I would too. I would too. And there's even on Netflix Firefly Lane. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I've seen it on my Netflix. Yeah. And the, I haven't watched it. There's, you know, there's two female characters. One, you know, quit her career and was a stay at home mom. They're best friends. And the other one went hardcore, um, career and of course the one who went hardcore career is the one that's like all messed up has a drinking problem out. you know there's like mm-hmm. all this stuff that goes on with her because she hasn't dealt with her trauma and it's like wow I mean here we are again They're not setting
0: us up to win no <laughs> no there's been some progress but it is very slow right Right. It's very slow. I agree. Well, let's talk about, uh, because I know on a previous episode, you you came and told us the story about, because you've dealt with a lot of mean girl situations Mm -hmm. and and haters out there Mm -hmm. who comment on your Facebook ads, Mm -hmm. who send you private messages, who are just terrible to you. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wrote about in the book, I gave a story from another colleague of mine, McKenna Held, and she had similar experiences Mm -hmm. to yours. And Mm -hmm what this comes down to unfortunately is internalized misogyny internalized sexism and it was one of those things when i learned about personally i was like oh damn i do this too yeah. you know the slut shaming that i've done in the past the um you know mean girl stuff that always felt like shit but i did it anyway realizing that it was my own internalized mm-hmm. misogyny was a sinking feeling mm-hmm. and something i'm still unpacking today so i would love to hear you talk about that and and, and, and maybe even your own internalized sexism and misogyny that you've had to, to unpack. It's a daily thing.
1: Fortunately, my, my team looks at most of it and they'll send me some of the examples that they think I might think is funny or want to yeah, comment on. That are more tame. But it, mm-hmm. but it is interesting that it's, it's really a study in, when I look at, we've had such consistent vitriol on Facebook ads that we can, like, I, I honestly am researching this, that they're primarily women that are middle-aged, conservative, leaning conservative, that want me to cover up, that like mm-hmm. what I have to say, but they don't how like
0: how I look while I'm saying it. And what are you, just so people know, like, what are, because they're pretty strict about Facebook ads. Like, you can't, I am covered. They're, so, I was
1: in one of them. I was wearing a suit. So I'm covered from head to toe, but it, but I was like looking over my shoulder. So people were like, oh, what is this a, like a butt lift ad? What is happening here? And then one where you can see from my kneecap down, people calling me a prostitute, like cover up one. Um, my team actually photoshopped a camisole. So that there was on me, so there was no cleavage showing and it was still like, oh, um, then it was like, oh, she's had so much Botox fillers and all this stuff, which what's interesting, and I'm not against either one of those things, but I've not had any of that done. So it's just interesting. It's like the insults are like, oh, she must she must do something unsavory to get business right? Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds like it's always
0: about your appearance. It's
1: always about my appearance, right? It's never about what I'm actually saying. And then the new crop of stuff are like 20 something males Mm -hmm. who want to mansplain the message. So they like how I look, but they don't Mm -hmm. like what I'm saying. And so it's so interesting because I'm like, are these the sons? Of the other group, right? It's maybe, you know what I mean? It's like generation wise. It's the, (laughs) it's the, like, these are guys that like, they're probably backpacking, they're rock climbing, they're bros that are like, "Uh, I don't think this actually exists. I don't think the wage gap is a thing. I don't think, oh yeah, that kind of stuff. So I have (laughs) these two camps. And so it is, it's misogyny. It's two sides of the same coin. And so when I look at that, yes, I'm able to see it for what it is. And then I also, like you're saying, I can also identify it in myself, where, like, particularly what you mentioned, slut shaming was something that I didn't even know I was doing until Mm -hmm. maybe, say, like eight years ago. My daughter, Cora, who's only 20 now, but she has always been like this little beacon of, Justice and mm-hmm. has brought me along on social issues. Uh, like she's just light years ahead of of where I am with things. To the point that she was actually telling me that a roommate of hers that there are five of ha- five housemates um, in this house at college, and there's one roommate that particularly slut shames the rest of them. You know, so if they're all talking about their sexual experiences, this one housemate has a real problem with it. And she was telling her boyfriend that she just could not believe that they are proud of their sexual experiences. And so my daughter is telling me, like, she's slut shaming us. So my daughter made these earrings and one one says slut and one says whore. (laughs) She sent me a picture and she's like, do you like my new earrings? And honestly, I, I was sort of like, oh, yeah, they're great, right. you know? And so <laughs> I still have a ways to go with certain things. But I, I definitely like we could talk about like purity rings and why oh. why are these boys not wearing these? And and I actually told my mother we have a family member that was wearing a purity ring and I'm like, I need to talk to her because she needs to be having sex and lots of it. And my mom was like, well, I don't know about that. And I was like, well, I do because, you know, anyway, yeah, slut shaming is, I think, kind of like one of my final frontiers of recognizing like, wow, I've I've really I've really bought into in the past this idea of that a woman should
0: save herself and, yeah, not be promiscuous. And the more people you have slept with, what do they call it? What are the kids calling it? Body count? I think that's what it's called. Oh, it's like it? the amount. The amount of people that you've slept with, like the higher that is, the lower your value. Watch me text Cora. I'll be like, what's your body count, friend? (laughs) What's your body count? I mean, I I honestly hope that my hope for my children and my daughter, you know, she's only 11, so this Mm -hmm. is not a thing yet, but just have as much sex as you want and protect yourself and also go to therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Because I still think sex is emotional. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I think that
1: that is wise advice. And I think that's something else that women, when they're thinking about power, their own power, thinking about it in terms of mental health, wealth to me is a lot of different things other than just money. And mm-hmm. mental health is one of those things for sure.
0: I want to mention that really quick because that reminds me of something you told me. It was maybe, I don't know. It was in 2020. And so 2019, I was in a mastermind that you led and I had my best year ever. Yeah. Um, I signed a huge contract with Penguin Random House. I made a lot of money. Um, we decided Jason would leave his job. And then March, 2020, when my husband did leave his job, COVID happened. Yeah, And I I had a... I had, I mean, what in the olden days they would call a nervous breakdown Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I laugh about it now. It was not funny at Mm -hmm. the time. Um, It was, it was really difficult and I've talked about it on another podcast episode. My mental health was suffering and it was, it had come to a head from years Mm -hmm. and years of trauma that wasn't totally dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so I hired a therapist. I went into intense trauma therapy and I was looking at the numbers and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make less money than I did in 2019. And it would have been the first year that I didn't Mm -hmm. have an increase. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to you about it and you said, you know, there are so many measures of success. Mm -hmm. Money is just one of them. Mm -hmm. And if your mental health is what you make a priority this year, like you're still winning. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I remember feeling so much better after that. I was like, that's true because I can't continue to support my family financially If my head's a mess, yeah, it just, it was such a great thing to say. And I just wanted to, again, tell you how much I appreciated Mm, that. That makes me tear up. I, you know, I, I really believe that. And I think we can,
1: especially talking about money and power, I think we can fall into this trap of measuring how well we're doing on our bank accounts and our investments and all those things. And it's like, there's, there are so many measures that it's like, you know, how much delight did you experience? How, yeah. how much connection did you feel? Um, how much creativity did you experience? I mean, to me, there's so many things, and I love money, but not at the yeah.
0: expense of all the other things. Yeah. Well, speaking of pleasure and joy and sex, and I write in the book about the orgasm gap, which is maybe a, t- a different topic. For oh, I my think. God. I- I need a T-shirt. It's not my term. I, I I wrote in the book who coined that term. It was a researcher. They they researched heterosexual sex, and basically men are getting off a lot more than women are. Anyway, so let's talk about pleasure because I know, and we're not just talking about orgasms. I know when you're talking about pleasure, and what do you think stands in the way for women? Well, let me just have you talk about pleasure because I know it's your thing. So I want to know specifically, what do you think stands in the way and how can women get more of it? So pleasure, in my opinion, is the secret magic sauce
1: to everything that you want because we're raised to believe that we need more willpower, you know, no pain, no gain. You can't run with the big dog, staying on the porch and all that kind of nonsense. And what I know for sure is that everything you think you will get from like this white knuckling willpower, you actually get much faster and in a much more delightful way by prioritizing and becoming devoted to your own pleasure. And so, like you said, intimacy, orgasms, physical touch, that's just one category of pleasure. And let me tell you Mm -hmm. something. I mean, I told y'all about eating peeps on Easter weekend and having a nervous (laughs) breakdown about my life. Like this was not something I was practicing. I had to learn this and learn that like that there's uh, yes, there's physical pleasure, but there's intellectual pleasure and there is um aesthetic pleasure and there's spiritual pleasure and uh, you know, all these realms of pleasure that you know, some women will say, Well, I experience pleasure, you know, I I take bubble baths or I go get mani petties or whatever. And it's like diversifying your pleasure and really making sure that. Everything from the journal that you use to the um, quality of your sleep to um, the food that you eat, everything is, is pleasurable for you. We think we have to earn it. You know, we think we're raised to think like... You work first, play later, you know, eat your veggies and then have dessert Um, like you don't deserve it and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's put all that. Let's front load pleasure and then everything else. Work so much better,
0: yes. And I want to point people to your book too, because this is where you dig in and help people go through a step-by-step process. Mm-hmm. And the book is bare. And we'll put that notes that link in the show notes. And I just want to thank you so much for being here. This has been so fun.
1: Oh my gosh, this is what I could talk to you forever. So, uh, I
0: a lot of people say that about me. Uh, oh, <laughs> I love you so much, and I am Have a good time. So excited about the work you're doing in this book. Thank you. And tell people where you, where you want them to go to learn more about you. You could go to my website. The hub is
1: shyatt.com. I'm also very active on Instagram at Susan Hyatt. Yes, you are. So
0: check me out. Check her out. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for being here. You know how grateful I am for your time. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. <laughs> Hey there, thank you so much for sticking with us through the entirety of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And just a reminder, if you have not pre-ordered your copy of Make Some Noise, it is available on Amazon, online. You can pre-order it in Audible and it will be in bookstores August 31st, but it would be extraordinarily helpful if you pre-ordered it. You can find all the info at andreaowen.com slash noise. You can pick and choose where you want to pre-order it and that is also where you can grab all the fantastic bonuses, the workbook, the book plate, the free book club, a chance to win some fabulous prizes, including my other book signed and personalized to you, free coaching, gift cards, so many amazing things. Head on over to andreaowen.com slash noise. And I thank you so much for your support. See you next week.